Amen. Well, church, you can have a seat this morning. Welcome to Risen Church. He is risen. All right, we got to do a little bit better than that. There's a lot of us in here. This is like, this is our thing, our church name. We're excited about this. This is our joy. He is risen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it is a joy to worship with you this morning and to think on and to sing about and to worship our risen King, the Lord Jesus Christ. I told Ashley uh, the last couple weeks, I've been doing a deep dive into resurrection and just really what that entails, what does that mean? And I'm like, I think I'm gonna do a little something different for Easter Sunday. And she goes, "Uh uh-oh, don't go too crazy. It's like we're brand new in the building. Don't freak people out. But I'm so excited about this. The Lord has been teaching me so much through his word. And that's why we're going to be uh, rooted in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. And what I want to do uh, this morning on this Resurrection Sunday is I want to look at the result of the risen Christ for you and I as believers in Christ the result of the resurrection of Jesus, the result of the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, that the tomb is empty, that he defeated death, that he defeated Satan and death forever. And like the verse we read, that death no longer has a sting over us. What is the result of us? What does that do for us? What does Jesus impute to us and give to us as a result of that? And as I was doing a deep dive, the Lord uh, was encouraging my heart and bringing me so much joy. Quick story, if you were to travel to Jerusalem today and you were outside the city walls, uh, sort of facing the Mount of Olives, it would look like this. So this is uh, facing the Mount of Olives. This is just outside the city walls in Jerusalem. And you look and you notice this picture. There's like no greenery, there's no trees, there's not a lot of grass. Uh, the, the whole side of this hill is covered in these angular stones. It's covered in all of these, uh, these stones all over the place. Anyone ever been there? Anyone knows what those are? Okay, no one. Good. The second picture will be great. So the second picture shows us a little bit more up close. Here, outside of the city gates, now we're looking down from the mount into the city of Jerusalem, and there's the city walls. You see thousands and thousands and thousands of gravestones. Gravestones. This lining the hill outside of the city of Jerusalem, right outside of the gates, and they're all over the place because the first century Jews and the early Christians who were following Jesus and believed in Jesus were marked with the belief unlike anything the world had ever seen and had ever known. They were marked with the belief, unlike anything the world had ever seen and ever ever known, and with no parallels with the Greeks, no parallels with the Romans, no parallels uh, with the Eastern mystic cults, a belief that death was not the end of the story. And I don't mean afterlife. Not even talking afterlife. There's all sorts of beliefs about life after death or the afterlife. But here we have this belief that God was not done with the world that he made. That now because of sin that entered into the garden long ago in Genesis, after the fall, the world is broken and it's hurting and it's violent. Yet nevertheless, this place that we live in these bodies that we have in this world was was the fingerprints of God even in creation. 
the maker. He made it all the way back at the very beginning. And it was this belief that marked the followers of Yahweh and the early Christian church, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were marked with this belief that history was going somewhere, that it was headed somewhere, that it, was, uh, it had a direction and it was going somewhere on purpose. We weren't just left here for no reason. And it was this belief in resurrection. Resurrection. The Old Testament uh, followers of Yahweh believed in it, and the New Testament followers of Jesus believed in it. And that's why there's all of these stones and these gravestones. Why do I show you this picture? They tell a story. They tell a story because even when you step outside of Jerusalem and you travel to uh, Corinth, say for example, you travel to Philippi, you travel to Rome, you travel to uh, Ephesus, you travel to all these epicenters of the early movement of Jesus followers who followed Christ and who believed in the, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, all of these gravestones, most all of them, uh, were all placed outside of the city gates and they were all facing toward Jerusalem and they all had something etched on the top of them in their gravestone on top of all of these. And you wouldn't just find like uh, thousands of them. You would find hundreds of thousands of them all outside of these city gates. All of the believers, the early followers of Christ in these epicenters of the known world. And it had one Latin word chiseled on top of many, many, many of these gravestones. And it was this one word, resurgum. Resurgent. Now, my kids take Latin, so they've told me I'm mispronouncing it, but that's how I've studied it in my head, so I'm just going to go with it. And resurgum means this. It means I shall rise again. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of believers in Christ had this hope and they put it on their gravestones and they pointed their gravestones toward Jerusalem. They clung to this hope that I shall arise and they were waiting in eager hope and expectation of resurrection because the tomb is empty, because Jesus rose again those many, many years ago. They clung to a hope that their risen Lord Jesus and their union in Christ, they're united with him in, in his death, their sins are paid for at the cross cross and they're also united with him in the resurrection when he got up out of the grave, alive, ruling, reigning, in a body, a physical resurrection they hoped in. That's what God did for Jesus in raising him from the dead that God would do for all who are by faith united in Christ. And not only that, they clung to this amazing hope about not just Jesus' resurrection that they hoped in and they were so rejoicing in and their own resurrection one day that their bodies would be reanimated and they would be brought back in these glorified bodies. They believed that God wasn't even done with his creation, that he was gonna resurrect the very world he, he made that was broken by sin and fractured and bent and corrupt, that he was gonna make all the paths straight again and he was gonna bring back that which was broken even in resurrection in the cosmos. God's people are marked with the hope and resurrection. 
resurrection. And I would encourage you, if you want to learn more about this, go back and read 1 Corinthians 15, all of it. We read a lot of it here this morning. If you want to read more about our union with Christ and his resurrection, go back and read Romans 6. Beautiful passages about that I don't have time to get into. But that's our hope. That's Easter. Resurrection hope in the Lord Jesus, and we are now united with him in resurrection. Fast forward today, maybe the last even 100 years, what happened? Somewhere along the line, the plot line got a little bit lost, didn't it? Because now I think the majority of Christians and Christ followers kind of have an idea about this because we say resurrection uh, at Easter Sunday and our church's risen church and so we kind of, that's sort of part of the vernacular and so we have this sort of idea of life after death and I think most of us as believers when we're even sitting here today we have a view that is a lot like the, the Corinthians view which is why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to them he's explaining the doctrine of resurrection for followers of Jesus He's explaining why it's our hope and what God is doing and how God wants to write the entire story and he will make all rights, all wrongs right through the risen Lord Jesus. And the, see, the, the Corinthians believed in Jesus' resurrection. Uh, the Corinthians believed in life after death, but they didn't believe in what happens after heaven. Uh, and the Bible, <laughs> what the Bible talks about is resurrection. Um, which is because of Jesus is now our story. We're united with him in his death and we're united with him in his resurrection as well. So kind of the modern sort of uh, cultural waters that we swim in, we kind of believe in life is kind of this two-step story, don't we? Uh, a lot of us think about it like this, sort of word on the street sort of has this idea about uh, life and we have a body and we're here and then one day uh, it's followed by death and in death we have sort of the afterlife and if you believe in the Bible and the story of scripture, you believe you go to a place called heaven where you are with God. That is true. The Bible speaks about that and teaches that. But that is only part of the story. That is a story in search of an ending, according to Christ and the resurrection. The scriptures all the way through speak of life not as a two-step story, but three, if you will. So one, yes, we have life on earth. We have our bodies right now. We have our humanity. Uh, and then you have death where your body and your spirit are torn in two, your body goes into the ground and your spirit goes to be in heaven with God. If you are a follower in Christ and you believe by faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ and by grace he imputes his righteousness to you, your, your spirit then goes to heaven and you there are with him in this invisible world where God rules and God reigns and his will is done and you step into God's presence. In the book of Revelation teaches, it says that here we worship, here we pray, here we look down on earth and we pray for all the injustice in the world to be undone and we pray that Jesus would return and judge the living and the earth. And now in the storyline of redemption in the scriptures, track with me, I know, different Easter sermon, it's beautiful, resurrection, his life after death is followed by step three, 
because of Jesus for his followers, and that's resurrection. Resurrection, where Jesus returns from the heavens to earth. He brings your spirit back from heaven and your body up out of the ground in one cosmic moment. He recreates you back into a glorified body and he remakes you into the image of God truly as you tended to be. And he reforms and reshapes the creation in the new heavens and the new earth. This amazing resurrected hope as God truly intended and you live forever in a resurrected new creation, no longer fallen, no longer bent by sin, no longer marred by sin and death. And God reshapes even the entire cosmos back into the way that he intended. He reshapes it. And Jesus' resurrection, the fact that the tomb is empty, means that is our story if you believe in him by faith, that history is going somewhere. That even this place that we gather has a purpose and a plan by God through the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Resurrected hope, resurrection hope. Yes, in the Lord Jesus Christ who we worship as our risen and pierced king, but in our future resurrection that he um, pulls us into. And he pulls us into. That's the story of the scripture in broad brush strokes. That's why Jesus got out of the tomb. He defeats death, our greatest enemy. That's our hope and future. And that's why all of those stones, all of those gravestones that point toward Jerusalem say, I shall rise again because he is risen. I am hoping, I am waiting in hope for resurrection because death is not my story. And Paul is teaching this reality to the Corinthians who believe like us that heaven is the goal. A lot of times. A lot of times we get caught in this, this way of thinking. Heaven's the goal. Where hope that's, is not just in heaven. That's part of it. But our hope is in resurrection. In resurrection. That the raised King Jesus will one day raise you and I back and he'll place us back into this garden just like he made in Genesis 1, a new place with no pain, no death, no suffering. And you read the Bible, it starts in Genesis in a garden, right? No sin, no death, no pain. We're with God, we're walking with him. He is near to us. And in Revelation, it ends in a garden. Same thing, resurrected reality for his people, a new heaven and a new earth and God's people there in our glorified state with God, enjoying him and worshiping him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. No death, no pain. Those are the bookends of the Bible with God. And so the Corinthian church is sort of uh, struck with this teaching that Paul has and they start asking some questions, kind of a lot like maybe we would, like pretty legitimate questions. So in verse 35, I think it'll be on the screen, uh, the Corinthians are sort of confronted with this teaching on resurrection that Paul is, uh, is rolling out for them in uh, 1 Corinthians all of 15. He's talking about the, the resurrected Jesus and now our understanding and our reality in resurrection because of that very first Easter Sunday. And they say, well, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come in? Like pretty like legitimate questions, like things like we would say, valid question. They're like, okay, Paul, 
Let's say you're right and eternity forever doesn't take place up in the sky somewhere and we're sort of disembodied spirits with God and we're on clouds and all those kind of like things that maybe some of us believe in. Let's say you're right. Let's say we come back and we have a body and we're like physically raised just like Jesus was. What kind of body would we come back with? And so for the Corinthians, I think this is important for us to understand, for us to grapple with, they have a worldview and they have a Greek worldview. Um, Plato would have been there, one of the Greek philosophers, and he had this view. There is the immaterial world, or we would call the spiritual world. And then there's the material world. It's like time, matter, space, body. And Plato taught that the immaterial was good. And that is the higher level. That is the higher consciousness. And the material body was bad. And it was, we're bound in flesh in the material world. And and the goal is to uh, separate yourself from the material world. And that the ultimate reality in death is that we're freed from this prison house of a body. And we finally get to go into a heaven-like place. And I think the, the parallels to that understanding and that idea of teaching is scary uh, congruent with how many of us really believe about life and death. Is the, is the view that the Corinthians have. Well, the material world's bad and the immaterial world's good. And one day I just hope to be rid of all the material world so that I can just be with God forever in the sky. It's at best, church, in the context, in the understanding of scripture, it's an incomplete story. Like I said, it is a story in search of an ending. And at worst, it is a dangerous parody of the gospel that we believe. And it's the worldview the Corinthians were born into, and it's the worldview that really we're born into, for the most part, in sort of pop culture, religious understanding. A spiritual world that's good, a material world that's bad. And then here comes Paul, the Apostle Paul, to the Corinthians, and he confronts this reality, and he says, no, remember what God said in the beginning? I made this world, and I called it what? Good. I made man and woman and I called it. I made the trees, I made the stars, the cosmos, the waters, the expanse, the deep, all of the things. I made it all, I created it, I crafted it. It was my idea, it was my plan, it was my world that I crafted and created and I put you together in such a way and it was good. My response to sin and death and corruption and brokenness is not to throw it all away. It is to remake it back into my image, just as I intended to. And that is the story, friends, of redemption in scripture. I'm gonna remake it. I'm not gonna throw it away. I'm gonna remake it and you and I found in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will actually raise us just like he raised Jesus from the dead with a real body and resurrection, and the Corinthian church is like, what? Kind of like some of you are looking at me like now, it's like, is this really the Easter sermon? Yes. He's like, I thought the body was evil. And then Paul unpacks the doctrine of resurrection because Jesus is alive in resurrection. His resurrection is ours. So as I'm just gonna unpack a few of these things 
And then we're going to continue to worship the risen Lord Jesus because that is our story as well. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What does that mean? What does that look like? With what kind of body do they come? And Paul's response is, you foolish person. Happy Easter. So glad you came. If this is your first Sunday, welcome to Risen Church. He's real hard up front. He gets a lot, he gets, it gets a lot better in the end. And he says this, he begins to teach on resurrection, to correct their worldview, to correct their understanding so that they had a, they'd have a right understanding of their future hope in Christ. He says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be. So he's talking about a future, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grains or a seed. He's talking, they understand agrarian sort of analogies. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and each kind of seed its own body. Paul says, listen, think about this. Just like a seed goes into the dirt and death and is covered up in darkness, and it's buried, then in time, through watering and through the process that God created it for, it comes out of the ground in resurrection. And it doesn't come out of the ground as like a really big seed. Doesn't just like the seed doesn't keep getting bigger, right? He says, no, it comes back different. It comes back a flower or a tree or a piece of a fruit tree. What, there's all kinds of different bodies for these seeds that go into death and come up in resurrection. The same is true of you and I, he's teaching. Our present body is one way. And our resurrection body is going to be another after death. He's giving us hope in our future with him. You're going to go into the dirt one day. Welcome to Easter, glad you're here. And Christ, because of his resurrection, when you're found in him by faith, will come back just like Christ came out of the tomb in his glorified body, but it was transformed. That's our future too. Because of Easter, we're promised a resurrection body one day. Next metaphor, 39. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, one kind for animals, another for birds, another for fish. They're heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthy, earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. Paul says, listen, look around, folks. Look at the world around you. Just observe the created world that I made. We have different forms of life in the earth and in the sea and sky and in space. They all take on a different body, so to speak. And Paul's point is this. <clears throat> is in God's new world, the kingdom of God, new creation, you will need a new kind of body. And then he gets into what this new body is going to look like. He says, in his world, you will have a new kind of body. So it is, 42, with the resurrection from the dead, what is sown is perishable. No, meaning this, no matter how much CrossFit you do, no matter how much you work out, no matter how huge your muscles are, the dirt is coming. Death is coming for us all. Happy Easter again. Welcome. I'm so glad you were here. But the point is not this. Who cares? Just live it up while you can. Paul goes on and says, what is raised? Now, remember, he's, now he's, he's talking about our resurrection. What is raised? Resurrection in the scripture, as Paul uses it, as the New Testament uses, never once in the Bible, not in Greek, not in Hebrew, it doesn't mean going to heaven when you die. 
It's not a metaphor for your spirit becoming alive. Resurrection for Jesus and resurrection for you and I is a concrete, precise, literal word for Jesus. And it's a literal word for you and I. And it means coming back from the grave. Coming out of the grave into a physical, real body. Resurrection, Paul says. What is raised is imperishable, he says the body we have for eternity because Jesus conquered death on a cross is secured by his resurrection and it will be raised imperishable just like Christ. No more death, no more pain. And he goes on. It is sown, meaning our life here on earth in dishonor, it is raised in glory. Now, if you've ever been near to a loved one who has walked through and endured death. Uh, it's difficult. It feels sad. It is gut-wrenching. It is, I mean, there's so much. And this is the, the point Paul is making. This word dishonor can be translated humiliation. It's sown in humiliation because of sin. We have to watch our loved ones decay. Their minds not function like uh, they want to anymore. Their bodies begin to fail. But in resurrection, we're raised in glory. Now, glory is as God intended. In God's presence, a body in honor just as God intended. No more death. No more shame, no more humiliating walk through death. And he goes on, it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He quotes Genesis 2-7. And then he compares the first Adam to Jesus and he says, uh, the last Adam, what he's referencing here, is Jesus. And so he's reminding us, church, on this Resurrection Sunday, um, that Adam and Jesus both represent humanity for us. So in Adam, because of Adam's sin, we now inherit all of that. We inherit all of Adam's sin because he's a representation of humanity. Uh, no escape. But in the same way, the same is true for those who trust in Christ by faith. And because of Jesus' resurrection leading to eternal life and his glorified body, now all of us who are in Jesus will have resurrection from the dead and everlasting life with God forever and ever and ever. And Jesus goes through death and he comes out the other side in resurrection. And that's our hope. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we... It is our joy. That's why it should swell in our hearts. That's why our singing should blow the roof off this place because that's our future. That's our hope. It's bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's risen. We will rise again one day. I shall arise. Verse 46. But it is not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those of dust. And as the man of heaven, so are also those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Paul says, you can literally translate it, Adam's body is earthy and dusty, and it is broken by sin. Um, 
But Jesus' resurrected body, when he comes back from the grave, is heavenly. It is animated by the Spirit. It is under the rule and reign of God, and he will be in that resurrected body, still with his pierced hands, forever in glory. And we will forever sing of the Lamb who was raised for us, our pierced and risen King, and he will bring us back into a glorified reality so that Resurrection Sunday, know that because of Jesus, we no longer will be broken by sin and sickness and death one day. One day for the followers of Jesus, we will not look like Adam, Paul is saying, but like Jesus, resurgum, I shall rise again. Our hope. I shall rise again. And I want us to remember in all of this that all of this talk of resurrection, that all of Paul's teaching of resurrection so that they understand our hope and our reality that's going somewhere, it's all about becoming like Jesus. It's all about being conformed in his image because he is even with us now. He's walking with us. He's moving through this life with us and he's our, our future is, is hopeful because he's leading us somewhere and he's leading our reality and our world somewhere. So it, it's, it's this ongoing process of sanctification even in our understanding of resurrection because it's all about becoming more like Christ. That's what we do when we wake up as believers. We wanna walk like Jesus. We wanna think like Jesus. We wanna act like Jesus. We wanna treat one another like Jesus tells us to. We wanna follow him. And for Paul, that crescendo, the apex of all of that sanctification and becoming more and more and more like Christ is resurrection. It's leading somewhere. And when that happens, he quotes two Old Testament passages here at the end. Isaiah 25, 7, because of our future resurrection, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Because our future is headed somewhere and going somewhere, death is swallowed up in victory. That word victory is Nike. Victory, right? That's where they get that word. It's a Greek word, Nike. It's death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus conquered death. And so the context, Isaiah the prophet is prophesying what happens for the res- in the resurrection for God's people. And this is what he describes. It's not gonna be on the screen, but listen to what Isaiah prophesies about this resurrected reality. He says, on the mountain of the Lord of hosts, The Lord will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a feast of rich food with marrow of aged wine, well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations, and he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from every face, and the reproach of all his people he will take away all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. That sounds like a pretty great reality, doesn't it? If you love good food, if you love all these things, that we're, like this, this is our future with the risen Lord Jesus and our holy bodies in this holy place. Death will vanish in the victory of Christ. And then he quotes Hosea, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? From cover to cover, the scriptures teach that death is a result of sin that death enters as a direct result of sin. And Hosea is speaking of the day when God rescues us from the sting of death because 
of resurrection. He says, I shall transform the power of the grave. I shall redeem them from death. Oh, death, where are your plagues? Oh, grave, where is your sting? God will beat back death. And the way Paul is thinking about resurrection is this. He's clearly, Paul is, is painting this picture that Jesus is at war with death. The Bible teaches, yes, that Jesus wants us to love our enemies and all the things that Jesus calls us to. But on the other hand, the scripture tells another story of a God who is at war. First uh, with Egypt, if you remember the Exodus, then with Babylon, and then it goes on with the Satan and then the demonic powers. And then in the end, he goes to war with death itself our greatest enemy, and God, through the resurrected Christ, because of the empty tomb, conquers all of the enemies of God in death and sin itself. And one day at the resurrection, Jesus completes the war and he brings victory, Nike, to the tyranny of death that plagues us all and we're freed from it. And the only thing left in the grave for those who are united with Christ will be death itself. That's good news. Amen? Oh, death, where is your sting? So if you are here and you stumbled in here or you got invited by a friend and you don't know Jesus and you don't know this risen king who we sing about and who we're talking about here, Today, I plead with you, trust Jesus. Believe in the gospel, that he died the death that you deserved. On that Good Friday, he was nailed to a cross, taking the sting of sin away. And if you believe by faith that he took that, he went into the grave and he rose again, defeating death. And your future can be his future in resurrection if you believe by faith. And you don't have to do anything to earn it. You just believe by faith and he gives it to you by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I implore you, Believe in the risen King Jesus. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And church, as we conclude, as it, it, when you bump up against death, and you bump up against sin, and you bump up against injustice, and all these things that are a result of death, and a result of the fall, and a result of uh, uh, the corruption of all the things that happened long, long ago, the, res the biblical response is not, hey, it's gonna be okay, hey, it happens to everyone. The response is when you bump up against that, the biblical hope is Jesus is back from the dead. Anything is possible. There are no limits to his power. There are, are no limits to his capacity. There are no limits to his ability to re redeem. There are no limits to him being able to heal the broken and him being able to intervene in this hurting and violent world that our future is going through. So no matter what you're walking through, because of the resurrection of Jesus, in light of whatever you're walking through, know that he is near to you. He is near to you, even in that place. And even... In this place right here, he can turn that place of pain and suffering into a place of hope because of the resurrection. That's the power of the resurrection. That's what Jesus does. He redeems, he saves, he rescues, he triumphs. The cross and the resurrection is the ultimate story of how God takes that which is viewed as the greatest tragedy of evil 
flips it on its head and it now becomes our greatest joy that we would have people all over the world gathering and singing praises to this risen king. It should have been a tragedy. It should have been the end of the story with weeping, but now it is our greatest hope and our greatest joy because we're bound up in it and that's our future and that is our story. You can walk through it all because Jesus is risen from the grave. That is biblical hope. And that's why we celebrate that Jesus walked out of the tomb and his new world is wanting to burst forth. And his people are groaning for that one day and our great hope is I shall rise again with them. The hope of the resurrection. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Put your hope in him, church. Be found in him, hope in the resurrection because he lives, I shall rise again. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you that you sent your only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Death is not the end, but have life everlasting, that resurrection is our reality, is our hope, and is our future. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that is far from you, that doesn't know you, that is exploring who you are and what you're like. Lord, may they turn to you this morning on Resurrection Sunday. May they place their hope and their trust in this risen Jesus who defeated and beat back death who conquered our greatest enemy, death, and gives to us now life and hope and a future and a place with him forever. They believe by faith. And Lord, for those of us who follow you, we call you Lord. <laughs> May today you root our hearts in the reality of our future resurrection and may it bubble up over into joy and hope. And if there's someone here walking through something because they keep bumping up against the crooked, broken things of the world, may they cling to our risen King knowing that he is near and that he can make beauty out of ashes. Would you do that in the lives of your people? And may we collectively as your church, with resounding voices, praise our pierced and risen King who guarantees our future and hope. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand as we worship him?